All right, I'm going to retroactively do a intro for this episode real quick. Um, we were a tad rushed to get this one done. I had about an hour window between for when we were going to play D&D for everybody to arrive that was going to play with us. And they were waiting on us to get done. Um, and we had a little bit of technical difficulty, not nothing major. I just couldn't get the... The level's loud enough, so I had to raise the levels in post. The only problem is if you're into editing, you know that if you raise everything in the foreground, you raise everything in the background. And They used to call it, back when we used tape, they used to call it uh, analog hiss. But even still that we're in the digital world, there's just some noise. I know, obviously, you'll hear the air conditioner. It's summertime in the south. That's going to be a theme for the next few months, I'm afraid. But nonetheless... I've already edited the podcast, and it turned out great. turned out fine. Oh, by the way, this is a um, copyright-friendly version of this uh, Nirvana song because that's just me with my acoustic playing that riff on a loop in the background. couple of quick announcements. <clears throat> As I record this, it is May the 4th, and that's Star Wars Day, so May the 4th be with you, my friends. Happy Star Warsing. Um couple of announcements uh, that I wanted to make that I didn't get a chance to do was that Moon Knight has just wrapped up. I haven't watched the last episode yet, so don't worry. I'm not going to say anything or spoil anything because I don't know anything. But I'm going to get caught up on that tomorrow. And probably the next week or two, we'll, we'll do something on that. Um, so I guess the next thing up on... The Marvel Disney side of things is this Kenobi coming May the 27th, which is the same day as Stranger Things comes out on Netflix. And the next, oh wow, Doctor Strange is May the 6th. That's in like two days. It'll be in theaters. Um, on a local level, we've got Tupelocon July 16th and 17th. I have completed printing an Iron Man helmet that we're going to give away. I haven't finished sanding and painting and gluing and doing all the post work, but it is printed, and I actually started printing another one, a different one. I did like a Mark IV and then like a Mark 85, two totally different uh, models, but the same nonetheless. Uh, We've also got Nerdvana in Oxford, Mississippi, August the 20th. Uh, I've reached out to them and we've had we've we've been talking. I don't know if we're going to officially be a part of that or just show up and hang out or whether we go or not or have anything to do with it. You still need to check it out because it's a cool thing happening in, in our area. That's August twentieth in Oxford, Mississippi. Now uh, to get onto the podcast, there was a couple of notes I made while I was editing. Um, in particular, there, there's a scene in the movie, and again. This this is spoilers. We were talking about Batman's little squirrel suit, and we were trying to figure out what those things were called. They are just called either squirrel suits or wing suits. That's what they call them, from what I found on Google. There was another uh, a line of dialogue I brought up that I thought was weird. It was an exchange between Batman and, and Penguin when he was interrogating him. He said, Penguin said, you know my reputation? He said, yeah, do you? And I thought that was a weird exchange, but in hindsight, I remembered that there was a time in the movie that they were referring to Penguin as the rat, as the one who 
ratted. And <clears throat> I'm not sure if at that point in the movie Batman was privy to that yet. Um, but he that might have been what he was referring to. Like, yeah, I know your re- reputation. Do you saying you know? Do you know your reputation is that of a rat? But I still stand by what I said. It would be cooler if he'd have said, yeah, I know your reputation. Do you know mine? I beat up people like you all the time, man. All the times. Um, another thing we mentioned was the Joker's look. Like we were, I was wondering why he looked the way he did, which was all scarred up and lumpy and just mangled. And Alicia brought up a good point. Maybe a vat of acid. I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. Uh, acid could do some gnarly things to you. But since then, I've I've read where I read where, where Matt Reeves said that the Joker in this movie has an illness, a condition that he's had since birth that causes him to look like this, and it also causes him to constantly have to smile and. It'll. He's in a great deal of pain, and it'll probably drove him insane, drove him mad, and he, he's making him smile all the time, and it's making his skin. Like in the real world, I don't know if there is such a condition, but he said it's it's an illness that this Joker has. So that's kind of all the notes I had to kind of clean up. And oh, by the way, listen to the end of this podcast. Spoiler alert for the podcast. But, um, I guess that's it. Let's jump to it. Here's our Batman episode. Oh, and don't forget, in a couple of days, I would say by the end of the week, there's going to be a Patreon-exclusive prequel to this episode where Kelly and I are driving to the theater to watch this movie, and we're in the car, and we just recorded it on our cell phone, and then we recorded it on the way home, our immediate thoughts and notes on the movie. I think it's spoiler-free, though. So, either way, if you're at any level on our Patreon page, you can go check that out. It'll be out there soon. And, let's see, is it any better? Let's just roll with it. Let's go with it. We always, even when, not even now that we've got, like, cool equipment, we still have problems. Uh, Dude, we always have problems. We're always going to have technical issues. Dude, that's why I say we go ahead and we need to make a movie. Because, I mean, it's not, like you said, we don't know how to do it. Apparently, we don't know how to do anything we still do. <laughs> but we pull it off All somehow. the things we do, we don't know how to do. Yeah. But we still do them. We still do them. That's true. Uh, I want to get right into this because I've got a lot of notes for this episode. And I'll go ahead and tell you, this is not spoiler-free. It's spoiler-e. Don't we have a... Zabatman. That, the, that alarm thing. I the will Claxton. do a spoiler alarm. We watched this in the theater, and then I gave it a rewatch on HBO Max. And then on my third rewatch, I was really glad I was like by myself. I was sitting out here at the bar. I had my phone in my hand. I opened up the notepad thing, and I just made a lot of notes from the beginning to the end of the movie um, about stuff that I liked, I didn't like. Overall, I liked the whole movie, obviously. Oh, yeah, I did too. Um, but there's some specific things I wanted to, to talk about I thought were interesting. Um, and the first thing I want to do is talk about this music. We were just talking about this before we started, how good the soundtrack is. Really good. That, that, that soundtrack made the movie. 
Um, and I want to give credit, a shout out to the composer, but I know I'm going to butcher his name. It's Gia, uh, Giacchino. Or is it Gaishino? No, it's Gia is Gia. Okay. Giacchino. Well, why is there two C's? Because it's it Italian. Be? I dude, oh. I can't explain to you. Italian so you think it's Giacchino? Yes. That actually Giacchino. sounds... Giacchino. Okay. Sorry if we butchered your name, sir, but you did a fantastic job. And I know you're listening. Oh, yeah, he's listening. He's probably writing the next score right now to our podcast. <laughs> Please do. That we can't afford. <laughs> um, and one thing that I've, I don't know, I don't think I've said it on here, but I've said it a lot to everybody that'll listen to me. Do yourself a favor and do not watch this movie once. I don't care if you don't like it. Watch it again. Because I got so much more out of it of the second pass than I did the first. Because it's a lot of movie and there's a lot going on. There's a lot to take in. Oh, there and, was a lot going on. And there's a couple things I missed the first pass that like totally made sense the second time. Because I was like, what? And we'll get to that in a minute. And then I watched it the next time. I was like, oh, I see. A lot of the visuals in this movie, just the visualization in general, actually kind of reminded me of the animated series a lot. And the look and feel, and I'll, we'll get to the casting in a minute, but uh, I thought this Catwoman was animated series-like. Yeah, she, I think she, her overall look was more of the animated series. Which is a good thing, by the way. We love the animated series, and most Batman fans do. They highly approve. Um, let's go with... Uh, Let's start with the, the bat suit, because that's kind of the first thing we saw as far as like things that were put out there was the, the, the test shots of, of Pattinson's Batman. You don't really, really get a really good look at it in the movie, though, other than it, him pretty much being bulletproof. Yeah, he's got some interesting body armor, and uh, that's it another like thing. It looked like it was patchwork of some kind. What, let me tell you what I didn't like, but it, it worked for him. I didn't like the mouth opening part, you know, the cutout piece under his nose. Yeah. Being so wide. Like, it was huge on this one. It almost looked like his helmet was like a top piece with ears, and then he had a hood flipped up under it with that, like, cap over Just had, like, a little hoodie going on. <laughs> like, he had a hoodie that covered, like, this part. I know you can't see what I'm pointing at, but, like, the back of the neck to, like, the ears, that was, like, a hoodie, and then he just had a cap that went over the top <laughs> of it. Because, like, the part that's cut out for Batman's mouth uh, I've never seen one that that big, but even though I didn't like it, it worked for Patterson. Well, you also got to think about this. This I is think probably to show his, off his good jawline. This is probably his first bat suit, maybe second. Yeah, they're saying this is Batman Year Two, and he confirms it with some dialogue. He said two years of nights. Nights has turned into a nocturnal cleaner, so he kind of confirmed that that he'd been Batman for, for two, two years. years, and that's what. They had been saying all along, you know, leading up to it, that this is about his second year. So he's still learning how to Batman. And then you really find out he's still learning how to Bruce Wayne. He's not well, Bruce Waning very well. He's not Bruce Waning at he's all. He's not Bruce Waning very well in this movie. I but mean, other than, like, spending Bruce Wayne money, he's not doing anything else. One thing that I thought was cool on this Batsuit was those arrows that went around his wrists. But I was disappointed to see he never used them in this movie. Like, both wrists was like a gauntlet of yeah. arrows. And I couldn't wait to see him, like, I don't know if he shoots them from that or he loads something with it, but I never noticed him using any arrows. I thought it was shockers. Bolts. They look like bolts. They had, you know, the 
ends of the yeah, like I'm you would put in a crossbow or something. I don't. Uh, I know that the centerpiece came out, and that was really cool. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad they used the bat symbol yeah. as as a as a like, like a, a knife, knife, like a really sharp knife. And the the director Matt Reeves, he was talking about how he wanted this his suit and gadgets to look like something that you could realistically possibly realistically put together and use. So he didn't have like a lot of super high tech stuff and the look of it does look like something you could make. Now I I suspend my disbelief when it comes to ballistics in movies, but man for him to have body armor that take all those shots all those shots from even, from rifles and he didn't even uh, like it hit him he yeah. just like just kept walking which to be fair ben affleck got shot point blank in the head during uh his movie and it didn't seem to phase him really yeah but that's that spending that's, disbelief and ballistics i know because like even if your armor is thick enough and strong enough to stop the bullet you're still having that much energy you still got that transferred to your yes. body it's gonna knock you out just from the blow unless and probably, you're using what is that vibranium that, uh, that takes the i mean of course batman's gonna have access to better stuff than than we do but I've never seen a body armor that you could wear and take that many shots point blank from rifles and just keep on and going. keep on going. And what was funny is then the shotgun is what really I'm getting ahead of myself. I noticed that in the movie, <laughs> like the shotgun should have had way less effect than the rifles do because rifle rounds but are the shotgun going like so it fast. Really hurt him. Yeah, that's the one that wiped him out. But hey, it's a movie. All right, what have I got next in my notes? Um, I like the bat suit overall. I thought the uh, what do they call that when you, uh, where he zipped it up and turned it into a little flying squirrel? What are those called? Squirrel suits. Is that? I thought that was like the. I mean, that's the slang for them. I, I don't think know what it's the actual called, uh, a wing suit or. That was pretty neat, but uh, man, cool. talk about he hasn't learned everything yet. He's gonna have to settle for the bronze on that landing. <laughs> <laughs> That looked you, painful. You gave him a bronze. I wouldn't even uh, want to let him into running because that was bad. Yeah. Rough on the landing, man. And he took a lot of punishment in this movie. He did. He uh, got beat up a lot. Oh, one more thing about the suit is I liked the collar thing around the neck. And I'm looking at that poster while I'm saying this that, that Sean gave me. Um, the little collar around the, around the cape, that was a cool uh, addition. Uh, one thing I didn't like is the cape was just a few inches too short for me. Uh, it's like... Well, you shouldn't you be get... wearing it. It's for him. <laughs> <laughs> True, but I couldn't help it. Um, usually Batman's cape, just for... I mean, this is not... A, his cape that he wore in this movie is more <clears throat> functional, I'll give you that. But like that in the, like in the animated series, his cape drapes all the way down to the floor yeah, and, and even drags, drags the floor him. behind him. And it... And, and then those shots that's where it's really like not functional. No, not at all. But it looks cool. It does look. I cool. mean, a Batman suit in general is probably not functional because if you've got that kind of body armor, you can't move. Oh Jesus! Like you're not going to be a ninja. No, and we play D and D. If you've got a full plate armor, you can't swim. You can't sneak. Like you can't <laughs> do because it's yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. Well, you can stop you know from getting bullets, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. You can't jog in it. Uh, but no, overall, I, I really liked uh, 
I like the look. And I, you know, Patterson I wore it well. And it wasn't black or solid black. It looked almost like it had a reddish tint to like it. Like a gunmetal. Sometimes, uh, like sometimes it was like grayer. And it has got a little damage to it. It's kind of rust yeah. up. It don't look like it's pristine. Not, yeah, pristine. I, re- I really like the way that they pulled off this suit. Yeah. And uh, further casting notes, uh, I thought Zoe did a great job as Catwoman. Oh, yes. I was 100% satisfied with that. Uh, um, the cat Colin, and the bat. <laughs> Colin Farrell was like, I've said it before, unrecognizable. Dude, I still can't believe that was him. And I, I'll be honest with you, the Penguin's never been like one of my favorite Rogues. I thought he did a great but job. But I'm now, because of this, excited about that series they're yeah, doing with him. Yeah, spinoff. Yeah. Like, he did a different penguin than we've seen before. And it's kind of a cross between, like, a realistic penguin and the comic book penguin. Like, somewhere in the middle. Which is fine. Because that's kind of where this movie sits. Yeah. You know, uh, Christopher Nolan's movies were like, what if Batman took place in our world in real life? And all the other Batman movies were like... Uh, we're, we got taken to his world, basically. Yeah. And this is kind of in the middle of that, and I like that. Well, this universe doesn't exist yet, so they, they really have a lot of room where they can play and fill in. And um, Okay, likes and dislikes about the Riddler. His mask was awesome, but I didn't really like the fact that he wore his glasses over his mask. I mean it, <laughs> dude. If you wear glasses, you got to. But I like when I wear the mask. I would try to put some contacts in because it's you got to keep it's not functional. Well, think about it like how um, the technology and the, how good Batman is at de- being a detective, and that's what this movie was about. You wear, uh, dude. He sucked at being a detective in this one. He to start he's, out. He zoom. He could zoom in on those frames and see what kind they are. Uh, run a computer generated report on all. The places around Gotham City that sells those types of frames, then you could narrow it down, narrow that field down by. You could tell he's probably a male, you know. So and you know what color his eyes are, so narrow that down, you know. And he could get a pretty decent list of how many people might have those glasses. You know, if you narrowed it down to two hundred, that's a start. Yeah, but that's that's that's. And you know he's got access to all the optometrist databases and stuff like that. I know I'm splitting hairs, but you know that kind of thing will get you caught. You got to be careful. (laughs) You don't want to get caught. Well, actually, he does, but we'll get to that later. He did want to get caught. I didn't mind this Riddler. It's a different Riddler than I've ever seen. But again, oh, it was a lot different. Riddler's another one of those characters that I just never really. I didn't like or dislike. I mean, it depended on the story, I guess. I like him in the animated series. Uh, I really did not like him in... uh, Gotham? No, the first Batman movie. You didn't like Jim Carrey's? Jim Carrey's version. You didn't like his version? Enigma. I did not like him. Edward Enigma's always... Well, usually always his name. But anyway... uh, I didn't mind this Riddler. I thought it was cool. I like how they did the the Zodiac thing. Yeah, it was. He um, looked a lot darker. Oh, than definitely all darker. of the other Riddlers, and which I did like. Th- this is one thing a, a small dislike, but and, and it, it was for. I know why they did this. It was it was for a reason, but the the guy that wanted up, because when he was in the mask and he's duct taping people and he had that voice modulation like he was scary. Yeah. But then when he took the mask off, you're like, oh, he's not that scary. He's like, I could beat him up. <laughs> yeah. But that's by design. I get it. But I, I would like to him have been just a little more intimidating looking even when he's not in the mask. 
but I know that was part of the story is like he's just an average guy. Yeah, and I, I think if he was more intimidating without the mask on, he wouldn't have to put the mask on. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same with Batman, why he wears a mask to be intimidating. So it's kind of like the person behind the mask. I really liked Jeffrey Wright's portrayal of Gordon. I didn't think I was going to like it at the beginning. Because I've seen him in a lot of movies, and uh, Westworld was one of the main ones. But, dude, he really pulled it off. Yeah, and I'd like, one of my favorite things about this whole movie is the the scenes with just Gordon and Batman. Yeah. Like, the the way their relationship is in the second year is at an interesting place because he's just now gotten to where, obviously, he trusts Batman and... <laughs> Batman, and Batman trusts, trusts him. him, and but it's but he's still, still kinda, a vigilante with the cops. Yeah, and so they're at a real volatile point in all of this, and and some of those scenes are are hilarious too. Like the I may be getting ahead in my notes, but that scene where they're at the car and he's like thumb drive, and he's got a thumb. Oh no, yeah, I was like that's dangling. dark as hell, but <laughs> I just laughed out loud just because the way he cut his eyes over, like they always look at each other like. <laughs> There was a lot of eye cutting in yeah, this movie. There's, back and forth. Yeah, there's a lot of very hard gaze and Patterson pulls that that a lot of cutting of eyes. One thing that was kind of contradictory, I love that speech he made in the beginning. It almost gave me chills where he said, "When my signal goes up in the sky, it's not just a calling; it's a warning." Yeah, and it shows all this. It shows like different montages of different criminals seeing this thing in the sky is like am i the one that's gonna and they're everybody's wondering if they're, they're all the nervous one. and like one of them even stumbled into the street scared looking up at the symbol and and got, like, hit, by got hit by a car so like he's doing good just by having the symbol in the sky because he's putting everybody on edge and that speech was so cool but just right after that he contradicts it by saying i don't know if i'm making a difference because the crime numbers are up i'm like well you just got through saying you know well, it's, it's the, that the fact you're, that you're making a difference, then you're like, I don't know if I'm making a difference. So he's kind of like doubting his, his place. Yeah. If, if, if it's worth doing what he's doing. <clears throat> that, dude, it is year two, so he really hadn't started making that big of an impact. I mean, you know, he was just starting to get his uh, – What's the word I'm looking for? He had already caught the Joker, and we'll get to that, you know, in a minute because that's wow. at the end. We think we don't know if he called him or not. That's true. We just know he's in jail. I love those uh, camera contact lenses, um, but he gets to go and like go back through. Yes, and I love how they used those camera lenses as like a way to like text each other, him and Catwoman, like later in the movie. I got something about that in my notes because she had them, and then he was trying to get in touch with her. Well, he she had them because he was uh, using her to go into Penguin's Club. And uh, by the way, I talked about that audio book called Before the Batman. Yes, you really find out a lot about this Batcave in that. Well, it's book. an old subway it's station. Old, yeah, it's an old train station, but it was the Wayne's private yeah train station. Because they're in... It's under Wayne uh, Tower. Tower or Industry. Yeah, they're in the middle of Gotham in some kind of high-rise. They're not at Wayne Manor. Yeah. Wayne Manor, as you know, 
got turned into an orphanage, and then you find out later that's where the Riddler was as a child. Um, I didn't like how snippy and shitty he was to Alfred in this movie. Like, he would like be a total little turd to Alfred. And I'm like, Bruce Wayne, you better watch your mouth. <laughs> you don't talk to Alfred like that. You better cool your jets there, buddy. Well, he is a he, very young Bruce yeah, Wayne. he's still a little shit, but uh, he kind of redeems himself for that later, too. But I, I did not like him being so crappy to Alfred in this movie. And I, I didn't like that we didn't really see a lot of Alfred in this movie. Like, if you really add up the screen time... Well, there really wasn't no need it for a lot of Alfred right now. Yeah, and at that point, Alfred's helping him, but he's not the guy in the chair yet, like guiding him. Yeah, like later on, he, like, but he's sitting in front of a computer, and he's he's like, literally helping telling him. him where to go. Yeah. Oh, and I was glad to see there's an, at least one more employee in Wayne Manor. That lady. Uh, but it, like, I forget but her like name. Like we said, it's not Wayne Manor. It's well, that's true. It's not Wayne Manor. But you know, you always see this huge house, and, and it Alfred is Alfred's is the doing, only and Alfred's doing all the cooking, all the cleaning, yes. all the stuff. He helps him with the Batman stuff. I'm like, come on! I, I know you're probably paying him pretty good, but get the guy some help. <laughs> I was glad to see that it's more realistic. Yeah, that there's at least that one more person least, hanging yeah. around. But, you know, that's something you don't really pay attention to until it's there. And then you're like, oh, wait, there's somebody else. I don't remember what I was talking about here, but I put in the garage, you know, when they were looking for the the car for, yeah. the, for the clue and they found the thumb drive that had the stuff in it. Uh, I put that they had an odd exchange about trust. So that goes back to their their relationship. They're still teeter-tottering. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and again, when he... When he was like thumb drive, and like you had to use the thumb to access the, the, the what was on software. the drive. Yeah, I, I literally laughed out loud. I know that's dark, but just I remember way, I was laughing. It, in the I, I wouldn't have laughed if they hadn't have cut their eyes at each other like that. Like, you know, like I just wanted Batman to go get it, huh? Get it, huh? thumb drive. <laughs> get it, get it, thumb drive. Get it. You don't talk about Jim. Can I call you Jim? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I've already talked about his cow, but he made it work. Uh, why didn't he use those arrows? <laughs> All right, let's go to the Iceberg Lounge. Uh, I didn't really like the do you know who I am thing. It would have been fine if he used it once or only as Batman, but he did it as Batman, then as Bruce Wayne, and then as Batman, and he did it the same way with the same voice. So, yeah, well. It's like, do you not realize you, you you're, think- this is a secret identity? Yes. <laughs> It's like, it's funny you say that because there was a guy here, it's kind of your build, dressed in a bat suit. Oh, wait a minute. And he kicked my ass. <laughs> so you're Batman. There. Well, you know, the, over. the twins, they, uh, they've got their own story arc that uh, they actually go out and become pretty big villains. Batman has to end up taking them down again. They go on to like this rampage in Gotham. Oh, here was another thing I thought was just a weird exchange. Whenever Batman's interrogating Penguin and he like slams him up against the wall and he's like, uh, Penguin goes, uh, hey, hey, be careful. Do you, you know my reputation? And he goes, yeah, do you? <laughs> I'm like, what is that? I know mean? you are, but what am I? I know, that was like, <laughs> what, what would have been a better line to use there is like, 
hey, you know my reputation. You know, he's kind of threatening him. Like, you know I can probably have you killed. But he should have said, yeah, I know your reputation. Do you know mine? I like, think that's that what he was been, going for. But he said, yeah, do you? <laughs> I think that's what he was going and for. And I kind of went, uh? But then again, little mess-ups like that let you know that he's still not 100% in what he's doing. So he's, he's still got a, a big learning curve. I like how Batman establishes trust with Catwoman right away. Uh, because, you know, there's that scene where he's following her and then she starts fighting him and he's like, shh, here comes somebody. And then uh, he gives her what she's looking for. And then he's like, you're going to work with me on this for your friend. And so that really, it, they didn't, like, I'm glad they didn't rush Batman and Catwoman working together. But they, they, they did it in a way, did, they did, but, but they did it in a way where it made sense because they have a common goal. Well, I'm just glad they didn't rush the relationship. Yeah, I wouldn't want them to, like, be in love just with each met other. Just and just all of a sudden, yeah, they're living They had, together. like, one kiss, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm good with the that. The bat and the cat. Because that leaves it open for later. She left for Bloodhaven, and we'll get to that in a minute, but that's not that far away. That's like if no. I'm going away to Tupelo. If that, <laughs> It's like yeah. 30 minutes up the road, okay. Well, no, I'll see you again. It's no biggie. Uh, I thought that, that scene with the, because uh, it was real serious, and then he looks down and he's like, you got a lot of cats. That's kind of like the only like joke <laughs> in this movie. And again, this movie's not supposed to be funny. It's no, not a comedy. It's, it's it's darker. It's dark. That not having a dark Batman is why Michael Keaton didn't do part three. Because he's like, you know how this character came about, right? His parents were murdered, and he's seeking vengeance. He fell down like, in a well. Michael Keaton's Batman didn't. That was Christopher Nolan's. Oh, dude, there's well, too fell many. down into a cave actually. Yeah. Well, what he, his point was, part three was going to go in a silly direction, which it did. Yeah. And Michael Keaton wasn't down with that. He's like, Batman, this Batman doesn't seem to fit with that kind of silliness. And he didn't. He was right. Uh, the morgue scene. Uh, I do not remember a morgue Go to the scene. morgue. I should have done this episode right after I made these notes because now I got to reconnect the dots in my brain. Well, I told you we should have watched uh, it last night. They when went we to got the morgue where the the, there, another murder took place, another Riddler murder, and him and Jim are there by themselves looking for the clues, which it was yeah. like a little. Uh, uh, was that the one that had the rat trap? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm on, I remember this part now. Um, another. We got to get out of here. Oh, that's another thing I love about this movie is how Batman just ignores Gordon when like because he's like that at the first crime scene where uh, the guy that's the then commissioner comes in and like what are you doing get him out of here he's like you gotta go man and he and like he, stops he's still walking and looks at the and kid and Gordon's like we gotta get out of here and like he waves to her a good like it's like he's ignoring Gordon and then he's going like fine <laughs> he turns around and walks off he does it again here. Where he's like, uh, we really got to get out of here. Then you know the cops will be here. Like they got there before the cops or something, or maybe they got there after and they're coming back. But he's like, we got to go. But then, and 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 again, Patterson's good at, at the dark like glare, and he's like looking at this note that they just found, this clue or whatever. That's one that had. And he's just ignoring Gordon yeah. like so much so that it's almost awkward. <laughs> and then he's finally finally walks off. But his his little pauses are are almost comical in that way. Uh, 
I had a question here. When Batman sent Zoe, I mean Catwoman. Um, you can call her Zoe. Well, I'm just using her real name, but we're talking about the movie. Uh, when he sent her into the club with his contact lenses on, where was he? Was he at the Batcave or was no, he in he like was a in van her, across the he street? He was in her or? apartment. Oh, he was? No. Because that wasn't really clear. No, he was. It almost looked like he was in a van on the side of the road I across the street or something. Which would have put him a, close to Riddler's apartment. Ironically, he might have been like under the window of Riddler's apartment in a, was. in a Batman monitor van. <laughs> but yeah, he was monitoring from a, a van. It kind of looked like the interior or something. But I like thought that. it didn't really look like the Batcave to me in that scene. For and some again, reason, I was thing, thinking but. that uh, he was in her apartment. Oh, and then there was that scene where she almost got in the car with the DA, the guy that got uh, the cell phone the, murder. Yeah. She almost got in the car with him, and the Riddler was in that car. I wonder how that would have changed the course of the movie. If Oh, wow. Because, you know, a taxi pulled up. She's like, no, I'm good. Or maybe, did she jump in a taxi? Either way, he was outside. They were both fixing to leave the club. And he was drunk. And he was messed up. And he was like, hey, yeah. you wanna, let me give you a ride home. And she almost did. She paused. She's like, no, I'm good. And then she got in a cab or something. And then he got in there, and the Riddler was waiting on him and got him. But what would the Riddler have done? Would Catwoman, like, save the DA from Riddler or tried to? Or she had, you know. And Batman was you know, I don't know close what by. Would he have tried to go? Would the movie have ended right there? I guess we will never know. Oh, here's a good line that I liked. Uh, he said he's going after people that worked that case. Um, the people he was killing worked a certain case that the Riddler is mad about. And he said he told Jim, because Jim was like, I worked that case. Sort of like saying, like, am I going to be a target? He said, he's not targeting you. He said, how do you know? He said, because you're not corrupt. I thought that was a cool exchange. Yeah, that was pretty good. Because he, he's targeting all the corrupt cops that worked on a certain Well, case. it was the that gangster case with the... I keep wanting to call him Malcone, but that's not his name. Maroney, and then you Maroney got Falcone. Maroney and Falcone. Uh, we go to another scene and where, again, he's being really shitty to Alfred because he's getting ready to go to the funeral. And... Um, Alfred tries to give him his cufflinks, and they say Wayne on it. He's like, yeah, but you're not a Wayne. And I'm like, you better watch your mouth, young man. <laughs> I'm going to have to bend Batman over my knee. He, he needed a little spanking Yeah, he that. needs his, his little butt wool being so snippy to Alfred. That just don't fly. Uh, you already see people showing support for the Riddler at the funeral. He sucks at Bruce Wayneing. Yeah, this is where... Uh, the connection to Carmine comes in at the funeral. That was a cool exchange because they gave the backstory of how uh, Thomas Wayne saved Falcone's life. Yeah. Um, you know, he got shot and he went to him. That That's from uh, the Long Halloween? That was also in the Telltale games, if you ever played those. Those Batman Telltale I games. I played them. But in this movie, you were, you were back and forth on whether... Thomas Wayne was a good guy or a bad guy, and, and at the end, he was kind of a... He was definitely a good guy that did one bad thing. Yeah. Um, but in the in the Telltale series, he's a straight-up tied to the mafia and everything. You find out he's actually a bad guy, which put Batman in a weird spot because his whole point of existence is 
taking revenge, revenge for or, his yeah, parents punishing murder. all the criminals you know that caused this crime to happen but he was part his of dad it was and that's one why of them. I, one of the reasons they actually got murdered it wasn't just a random robbery yeah uh Bruce uh Falcone laughs when Bruce says he took a Hippocratic oath. Isn't that a thing? There's an oath that doctors and nurses it's take. It's the Hippocratic oath. I had to pause the podcast and confirm. Yes, that's what it's called, the Hippocratic oath. And it basically just says that even if you're a bad person, if I'm in the medical field, you have to save them. I have to save them whether they're a criminal or a good guy or a bad guy. That's irregardless. And but they 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 framed it in a way to where it was a joke because I, that's why he saved you not because you know who you were yeah, yeah. it's because he had basically because he had to but it was funny how Carmine Falcone was like uh, really amused by that uh, he locks eyes with that kid again you know that's the one thing. All the Batmans that I really, really... It's just weird. They pinpoint on one thing. Well, because he saw himself in that kid. Like yeah. He, that was him. But, I mean, even 50 years later, Batman still freaks out over the name Martha. <laughs> well, we're talking about a and, whole different ballgame. I know, but I'm saying every Batman has that one thing that a kid and all of a sudden... And, you know, he's just transfixed because the kid just lost his father. Yeah, and then he saves the kid, which... Yeah. He saves the kid as Bruce Wayne. I know. That's what I was supposed to say. Like, there's that's dangerous territory. Of course, he did the right thing by saving the kid's life. But that's Bruce Wayne. Like, uh, a good example of how you could... How to pull that off, doing the right thing, even though you don't want to blow your cover, is the way they did it. In one of the Christopher Nolan movies, he, like, uh, rammed into a car... And to save somebody. Oh, and he's and like, the cops officer, were like, I was just... He said, oh, I was just trying to catch the red light. Is that who that was? Like, he played off like he did it on yeah. accident. And you kind of got to do that. Otherwise, they're like, huh, why is Bruce Wayne saving people? Is he Batman, maybe? Well, I mean, the car did come crushing through. The, yeah. And any normal person would have, you know, jumped to try to help right, save yeah. the kid. I mean, like I said, he did the right thing. It's just he did a lot of stuff as Bruce Wayne where he needs to be careful. Because people start connecting dots. Yeah, but it's year two, you remember. Exactly. He's still learning. Yeah. That's what I said. I, I had that in my notes here again, that he's not being very careful. And here's another question I have about the funeral scene. Did he go home and change? Because he was Bruce Wayne at the funeral, and I know a lot of time passed between where we see the guy in the chair with the phone taped to his hand, and he's got that weird saw thing around his neck and a bomb, and then Batman comes in. Did he have his bat suit with him? Was it in the car? Was it had to be? Yeah, because he be carries like a backpack around with him in this movie. And at the very end, when he goes to the Iceberg Lounge, he's got a backpack, and obviously he, he the just, suit was in it. Yeah, so he could fit that entire suit with that super body armor in it. That's in what a, makes, makes me think it's like a, like a leather suit, and they uh, could withstand machine gun rounds. Well, like you see, you got this bent. Disband your your belief. Somebody needs some of these people that do these ballistics, like the gun videos. They need to like do a video on that, like what kind of armor Batman would need to no sell. Shrug off. <laughs> yeah, he no sold it. <laughs> you know, in wrestling, somebody 
hits you, you got to sell it. And then if you don't, they call it a no-sell. And he no-sold those bullet shots. Every single one of them, except for that shotgun blast. He sold that one. But now here's another thing. In the early Batman comics, like around the 80s and 90s, there was a long period of time where Batman wore his suit under his regular clothes. But that and was then when he would was just, just uh, Then he would just flip the cowl yeah. up uh, over his head and take the other clothes off and boom, he's Batman. We called that Superman in. Yeah, it was basically like Superman, and but he and, had the cow. You know, Spider Man done that for a while too. Yeah, but if Pattinson did that, like my question is, with that whole thing in general, what do you do with the cape? Do you tuck it down one pants leg, or do you split you the difference? You roll it up, and you just make it look like part of your <laughs> shoulder blades. <laughs> but like, if you want to tuck it in your pants, well, then you got this big <laughs> lump in your backside. He did wear some baggy clothes in this, though. I think he kind of had to because of the bat suit. You think he had it on under it? I don't think he did when he was at the funeral in the suit. I don't think so either. But I think he'd have looked a little too bulky. And bulky yeah. yeah. But like I said, that's what Batman did for a long time in the comics. Then they, when they went to the whole body armor Batman, the it, made it, cow. it made it yeah. almost impossible. Like there's no way you could pull that off realistically. Batman gets blown up here. Like big time, and he gets knocked out. I'm surprised the cops. If it hadn't been for Gordon, the, I'm surprised the cops didn't just go straight over there and take his mask. They were off. trying to remember. But why did they take him back to the, the to the police Precinct? station? Because they was going to arrest him. He's a vigilante. Yeah, but he He's got blown wanted. up. That's not proper procedure. He would have been taken to a hospital and detained there, and then transferred after he was medically cleared to the hey, police man, station. This is Gotham. <laughs> the cops are corrupt. <laughs> this is Gotham. That's that's the only thing you can say because in real life that's not the way they would have done no. that. This guy just got blown up, so we're going to take him to the police station and put him on a table and surround him by cops. <laughs> I thought that was kind of strange, and uh, that led to another cool exchange with him and Gordon. He's like, "How am I going to get out of this?" He said, "You're going to punch me. You're going to run through that door." And uh, then later, when they met back up, he's like, "You could have pulled that punch." And he said, "I did. I did." <laughs> Love it. Oh, and that's some good, during that part, that was some good acting on his part because he was trying to act like he was chewing him out. Yeah. Because they could see him, but they couldn't hear they him. They couldn't hear him. So he's having to play like three roles there. He's having to play Jim Gordon, the the guy that's chewing Batman out and the, and helping him. And Well, he wasn't letting, he was chewing him out. He was like questioning him. Yeah, he's like, what the hell's going on here? And then he gave him some information. He's like, oh, shit. This goes deeper than I have realized. Uh, now let me know when we get to my favorite part. I've already covered this because that's where the squirrel, the big bump of the squirrel landing. Uh, and I, you know it's coming too because you're like, what the hell is he going to do? He winces when he sees how high up he is. Yeah. He's like, oh, man, what the hell? Well, it's because he ain't went through ninja training yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, he didn't really have, you know, the, the which Batman has this throughout most of his incarnations, but the, the Michael Keaton gun you shoot and it fires yeah, the, it's got the, the bat grappling right, hook the on it. Batter hook. You didn't really see him use much of anything like that. I don't he didn't think do a lot he's of like got high that flying. far in the tech, tech yet. Yeah, because somebody on YouTube made one of those, and for it to be strong enough to hold your weight, it would have to be humongous. It's got to be like a... Like bigger Actual than winch and yeah, yeah. The one Michael Keaton had was just like a little thing you hold in your hand, and you just 
click it to your belt. Yeah. But in his, his defense, he did ask Vicky Vale, how much do you weigh? And she's like 108. And they started going up, and then he cut her loose. And then he comes back, he's like, you weigh more than 108. <laughs> <laughs> so he does kind of, you know, talk about that. It does have its limitations. Batman lures away, lures them away from Catwoman. Then the best chase scene ever happens. Yeah, Catwoman shows up to steal car. that money. Oh man! Again, you gotta listen to that audio book before the Batman because it talks all about the car. It starts with the whole story starts with the car. Wow, that car was like a cross between a muscle car and a Baja racing truck. Yeah, and. and Oh, so man. people were complaining about it because it was so different. And I'm like, yeah, but as far as like the insane futuristic looking sleek Batmobiles, that's they've done that. Well, he, he hasn't got there yet either. Exactly. Every Batman His that we've ever seen, be, he, he's been Batman. It for would be a muscle car. Like it needs 20 to be. years. And this is a pre-Batman, if you will. Um, so he's literally just taking whatever he's got. And just throwing some money into it and making that bad ass motor. That chase scene alone is worth the price of admission. Oh wow! When he busts through the flames, like uh, Penguin thinks he got away, and he the Batmobile bursts through the then flames and comes pulls a Dukes of Hazard, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And then when he flips his car, the scene where he's walking and the music's playing, and then it, oh, perfect. Nah, it. yes, it was awesome. And then, so they catch the penguin, and then uh, Gordon and Batman are interrogating him where they realize they made a mistake. They got the wrong guy. And the funny part of this whole scene is they've got him tied up, and then they realize they need to look into some, something else. So and they just leave. They, and he's like, wait, you just going to leave me here? And then he starts waddling because he's tied up like a penguin. Yeah. So I thought that was cool, a cool funny nod. That kind of made me laugh a little. Uh, after they realize the next target is Bruce Wayne... He disappears on Gordon. Yeah, that's the first time Batman does the whole, like, you look over and he's gone. Of course, he's he's leaving that scene where they go to, uh, this is where they go to Wayne Manor, and the Riddler has the projector set up. Yeah. And it shows Thomas Wayne giving the speech, and then they go, oh, shit, the target's Bruce Wayne. And then Gordon looks over, and he's just gone. That's like the first time. That he's actually done that. He just ghosts everybody. Where he ghosted yeah. him, yeah. Um, why doesn't Alfred have a cell phone in this movie? I really don't know. Because he keeps dialing over and over Wayne Manor like their landline. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> why do, I don't know why yeah, nobody I mean, I, had a cell phone. If Alfred had had a cell phone, that could have like completely circumvented that whole scene there. I was really glad Alfred didn't die, though. I was going to be pissed if you kill Alfred off this early yeah, or at all. first movie. I'm a fan of Alfred. I guess you could tell. Uh, well, Alfred's went through a lot of changes. I don't know what this means. The scene where he's connecting the dots is cool, but that should have been shot in the Batcave. Oh, talking about where he had everything laid out on the wall? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and he, he had drug it. He drug the table out of the way yeah. in their house or whatever, their apartment, their penthouse, and starts drawing and on the put and everything put, on He's the trying floor. to yeah. do detect, but he's doing it in his house. That's another mistake. You don't cross the two. You should have gone to the Batcave to do that because you're, 
you know. Yeah, but dude, but the Bat Cave is all the way across town. Is it? Yeah, he doesn't live in. Yeah, it might what? be under this building, down in the subways. You know, I was wondering that. I don't think so because I don't think it talks about that in the book. I, I think that the Wayne Industries or Wayne Tower. I don't think they lived in Wayne Tower. I've got here in my notes of what I talked about earlier. She kind of called him through the contacts because she don't know Batman's number. And if Alfred don't have a cell phone, I guess he doesn't either. Uh, then you have the big reveal that Falcone is her father and Batman suspected of them being former lovers, I think. And, you know, he's like, what's your connection with him? And she finally tells him. Uh, then he's like, oh, that's not what I was thinking. And I thought it was really cool how she said, uh, who are you under there? Are you hideously scarred? And, you know, he paused and then said yes. Uh, I don't know why I put this. Then, then she said, what, do you live in a cave? Oh, yeah, because he didn't know something. She said, what, do you live in a cave? <laughs> well, I work in one. But, um, <laughs> but I like that. Are you hideously scarred under there? And he said yes. But you He know was what, talking like a, mentally, a mentally yeah. and emotionally. You know what he meant? And so that had like a lot of impact. I thought that was cool, uh, dramatic. You know, one thing I'm really glad, though, they didn't rehash the death of his parents. Like yeah. they have in every single movie. <laughs> yeah, that's not movie. necessary. We know what happened. Um, I'm glad that they didn't try to hide the fact that he wears eye makeup under the cowl. I just think that's a weird detail in some of the older Batman movies, like even the Michael Keaton era. You oh, know there's the, that funny the black, scene? The black eyeliner? Yeah, to, to make the mask look... I mean, it just doesn't look right if you don't put on eye yeah. makeup. And not only do they not hide it, but like he's, you know, he just smears it on because that's what you would do. He and is, in other yeah, movies, rakes across his like face. There's a scene in a Batman v Superman or perhaps Justice League where he rips Ben Affleck's mask off and uh, when he's doing the, the dream sequence. Yeah. And what's funny is like he's wearing the mask with the eye makeup and then he rips it off and he don't have it. He doesn't have it. And, uh, Somebody put a meme out on the internet that said, uh, you know you're badass when you can rip somebody's mask off and you rip off their eye makeup with it. <laughs> <laughs> it made it more realistic, you know. It made it look more believable. Then he does the third, Do You Know Who I Am? Which I thought was... I, I, I didn't get that. Or was that supposed to be funny? or it, To me, it just seemed maybe like a bad idea. Maybe it's rhetorical at this point. Uh, then there's a reveal, or a sort of reveal, that, that kind of goes back and forth, that Maroney actually had the Waynes killed, and then you find out it was not Maroney. You think it was... It was Carmine. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, Carmine himself. Um, Bruce goes to the hospital where Alfred's been blown up from the, the mail bomb, and, only because he didn't have a cell phone. Uh, and that's where he says, no, it wasn't Maroney. We think it was Falcone, but we don't know. Um, well, didn't then he, he finally redeems himself for being shitty to Alfred because he said, I didn't ever want to feel that way again. Referencing, he feels about Alfred the way, almost getting killed like he felt like about his father. About his parents, yeah. yeah. And so that was like kind of him saying, you're my father figure. Well, didn't he ask Alfred about his dad? And uh, That's where, yeah, he said your dad was a good man. He was defending... Thomas and he's like he did make a mistake but that does one mistake make a good man a bad man you know yeah. that's kind of like what he was posing there 
Uh, then all of a sudden they look through the window, they see the bat signal. Uh, you see Bruce enter the club again, but not as Batman, so that proves he does, in fact, at least at times, travels with a bat suit in his backpack. Again, that's kind of dangerous. Because, like, I mean, what if somebody though? searches you and they unzip your backpack? They're like, oh, there's a bat suit. But it's Bruce Wayne. They're not going to search him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the, the perfect way to do that, but... Talk to Tony Stark and get him making a nano suit. And again, <laughs> uh, even though it's... I have to really suspend my disbelief when he's coming down that hallway getting shot by all those guns, but damn, did it look cool. Are you talking about uh, when he's in the club? Yeah. Yeah. And the lights are out, and all you, and see, all you is see is the flare the, of the, the guns going on. burst. And it's, it's almost like... It reminds me of that scene where Darth Vader at uh, Rogue One comes through there just cutting everybody down because um, you had that strobe effect going yeah. on and he was just like kicking everybody's ass and it's like really that that scene looked really cool and I liked it uh, when he stopped Catwoman from killing Carmine because he, didn't he said you don't her. have to pay with him you've paid enough yeah. so basically saying if you kill him it's going to Come back, back on Basically you. Basically, it's going, yeah. And it's you've had enough you on forever. you. And I was like, oh, good point. But then Carmine winds up getting off a shot anyway. Uh, but at least it's on. I don't know what that means. Some of this is shorthand. That's when they reveal that they realize it's the Riddler. The Riddler got his shot off at Carmine. Uh, and he killed him, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, then after they they catch the Riddler, they they go up to his apartment. Another thing I really liked this scene, where they're they're finding all these rats because he used the rats in the, that one yeah, kill, the rat trap. Yeah, and uh, he's walking towards this cage, and Gord's like, "Man," and it's going nuts. And he's like, "That rat really doesn't like you." And he goes, "This one's not a rat. <laughs> it was a bat. It was a big old." So bat. that's where the the next clue was. Before Batman was inside the cage, yeah. yeah. Then you find the carpet tool, and they didn't know what it was. Eh. They made that out to be a bigger deal. Like, he made this huge mistake. But yeah. Do you think Bruce Wayne's ever had to lay carpet before? Never. So, of course, he doesn't know what that is. And he's only been Batman for a couple of years. Uh, of course, nowadays, Batman would look at it and go, oh, that's a carpet tool. Okay, now that video, which in, in that clue the, in the apartment made you think that the Riddler knows who Batman is. Yeah. Like, I really thought that. I thought he did, too. And he thought that, because he said, Jim, this might all be over with. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, everything, the Batman. And he said, he even told him before he left, he's like, you're a good cop. Because he thought that was it. Like, Batman's over. He thought he was fixing to get my, exposed. My cover's blown, yeah. <coughs> uh, so then he gets to Arkham. I like when Batman walks into the room where the Riddler is and he slowly looks up at the cameras. Uh, and then he does it again uh, when the Riddler says Bruce Wayne. And, of course, everybody's like, oh, shit. And then he looks up at the camera again like, I wonder if they heard that. And I'm glad Batman kept his mouth shut right here. Yeah. He That's really a damn good thing that he didn't say a word because he could have been like, okay, fine, I'm Bruce Wayne. What of it? But, yeah. no, he just he – just, he was saying Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne's the one that got away. Yeah. And he was mad about him not being killed. And I'm like, oh, okay. I get it. Here's one thing I didn't like, too. 
why, why is all of a sudden there's this magic wall around Gotham City that holds back water? Like, that sounds like a design flaw. <laughs> it, it's, that's like a New Orleans divine, uh, design like, flaw. Well, that was a levee that broke in New Orleans to let all the water in. But this is like... Yeah, but New Orleans a, is under sea level. Yeah. And evidently like, so is... So is Gotham. So is Gotham. And, uh, yeah, all he had to do was blow that up. And, um, yeah, you'd think those walls would be a lot thicker and be better patrolled so a lunatic wouldn't do that. Oh, going back to the scene where he's, he's talking to the Riddler at the asylum, the Riddler gets really upset when he finds out that Batman missed that clue about the carpet tool. That's when he gets upset. He's like, because he wanted them to be there together when the dam blew up. But instead, Batman had a little time to try to stop it, but it didn't work. Yeah. He's, I mean, he still did what he wanted to do. Um, I didn't... Uh, I didn't like Batman seeing Batman throw a temper tantrum where he was banging the glass like that was kind of weird. But then again, year two Batman's Batman, all about so. keeping his cool, you know. Like he's been he's been faced with a lot worse reveals than that and didn't lose his shit, you know. Well, Keep it together, not Bruce. yet he hadn't. Keep it together. so. Uh, I'm gonna go. I mean, that kind of goes back to him being shitty with Alfred. I don't think he's going to be in the next movie. I don't think he is either. And uh, he, we're seeing him literally grow up into Bruce Wayne and Batman. After he leaves the asylum, he goes back to the Riddler's apartment, and there's a cop there, I guess, standing guard. And he sees Batman and tries to stop him. And he's like, "Ugh, whatever." N- never mind. And then he starts talking to him, and that's when he says, "Well, that's that when they tear the." Yeah, the he said that was whole mess. Uh, that's messed up about killing Mitchell with a carpet tool. And he's like, "Huh, carpet tool." <laughs> terrible Batman impression so that's when he tears up the carpet and realizes what's going to happen but that whole thing really didn't matter because it's still they still blew up the city yeah but if he'd have found it sooner he would have been at the asylum he would have known where the bombs were going to be placed you see the Riddler celebrating in his cell he wanted Batman to be there with him but why was it necessary for him to get caught for his plan to work that's a good question. Why did the Riddler want to get caught? Just to... Just so him and Batman could be there together when the city blew up? Yeah. Like, I would have done that and tried not to get caught. I mean, I mean at that w- point, he had, like, an army of people that either, were, were helping him. But he got caught on purpose. Well, he thought... He thought they were the same. Because they were orphans and... Uh, no, you're fine. Batman bursts down through the ceiling of the event center, and uh, he gets knocked out for the second time in this movie uh, from the shotgun blast we talked about earlier. Then, he, then he injects himself with venom. Okay. Is that venom? That's what they're alluding to. If that is venom, then does that mean Bane is already alive and yes. existing in this world? He's got to. Because that's where venom was introduced was with, the, with Bane. Somebody, or was it just adrenaline? Somebody... I don't. One of the podcasts I've already listened to about the movie, or it might have been a YouTube video with the like Easter eggs and stuff in it, said that Venom had already been invented in this universe. If I hadn't have seen it, what it looked like, it was, I would have assumed it was just adrenaline. Well, but it, it looked green, like Venom. So it was Venom. Was that just a nod to Venom, or was it Venom? I don't know. I don't know, because it made uh, him go crazy. Like oh, briefly, yeah. and then he just goes like, which adrenaline out. would do too. But 
we interviewed Chuck Dixon, and he told us what is in Venom, if it was real. And I think adrenaline was one of the ingredients. Yeah. It's probably like a liquid meth. <laughs> this is where he finally uses the bat symbol on his chest to cut that electrical cable and falls into the water. Again, that looked dramatic and cool, but I think he could have got down to the water without I, I don't think it, falling he would, that far. Well, he wouldn't have had to cut it either. Well, it was about to go into the water, and he no, was probably just going to shock it everybody. Was, it was high up enough to where it wouldn't have touched the water. Um, I'm fast-forwarding here, but at, at the end of the movie, when everything's okay, well, it's not really okay because Gotham's underwater at this point, but... Um, he starts helping out. Him, yeah. Uh, and that's where, like, uh, this Batman, they keep bringing up the word, I'm vengeance, I'm vengeance, I'm vengeance. But this is where he, like, realizes he has to be more than just that. Yeah. He has to be, like, a symbol of hope, even though that's Superman's thing, but still, he's Gotham superhero, so he has to be a superhero, Hey, you think too. Superman exists in this one? I don't in know. verse? I hope not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... <laughs> But uh, there's there's another moment where him and Gordon are talking to each other, and I'm surprised Gordon didn't, because the last time he saw him, he said, "I think this might all be over," and Gordon didn't go. What were you talking about back there? What was that? I what think was, did he figure out your Bruce Wayne or what? I think he knew what he was talking about, and he was just kind of glad when he got back that he didn't get ratted out, basically. Yeah. Get revealed. So you think Gordon knows that he thinks he was fixing to get? I but think so. But if he so. does know, I mean, that was it was heavily referenced to Bruce Wayne. I mean, that's that's the victim they were. I I think Gordon knew. Well, a lot of people believe that in the comics, at least, that Gordon does know he's Batman, but doesn't. He wants he just, to remain oblivious. Yeah. Like he will don't acts like he don't know it. He don't want to know it. Yeah, he doesn't want to know, but he knows. Um, I'm glad they did this little montage at the end where they play the Nirvana song again, which was perfect for this movie. And we did a little investigating here earlier. We think we know what they changed about the song. I think they they definitely added some bass, and you think they slowed it down a bit. I think they slowed the So overall, you don't think this is a cut-and-paste Nirvana version? You think this one's edited yeah, a little for the edited. movie? I think so, too, because my, my sub in here goes nuts when oh, I play yeah. that version of it. Uh, but they started playing the Nirvana song, and you have this cool little dialogue that's like and akin to the one at the beginning of the movie where he just explains as a voiceover like all the stuff that's happened. The city's in disarray. The National Guard's on its way. Uh, martial law is in effect. And it makes you start thinking about No Man's Land, which is a big story in the Batman movies. Well, that might be leading up that to that. That might be what this next movie is, No Man's Land. And a real quick, just to give you an idea what No Man's Land is, uh, there was a horrible earthquake in Gotham City that basically destroyed it, uh, left it in ruins, and the, all the crime syndicates took over and divided the city up into sections. And it was like a long story arc that went over like a year of Batman comics. No, it's it funny because really uh, Harley Quinn did an episode or a couple episodes where they had split up Gotham into different uh, villain territories, and each villain renamed it something. Yeah, that's the way the Dumbass Land was. Um, you have a scene where Batman and Catwoman say their goodbyes, and they kind of have a fun little cat and mouse race through Gotham City, and you're like, well, did he say screw it and just go after her? And then they go their separate ways, and... uh we, we just watched the, her going toward Bloodhaven, Bloodhaven, which is cool. They bring in Bloodhaven into canon, which is where Nightwing yeah. operates, which is not far from Gotham City. Yeah, but I think we're a long ways from Nightwing. Unfortunately, there should have done been a Nightwing movie. That's a very <coughs> beloved character. Uh, that was a cool scene, though, and that's how the movie ends with him like kind of doing his eye cutting thing, where he's looking through his rearview mirror at her, and uh, then cueing that badass music. 
Man, that which that, I think I should start playing it right now because we're at the end of this podcast. I thought we was gonna listen to it throughout the entire podcast. I don't think it's that long. Um, I recommend everybody watch all the behind the scenes. If you watch this on HBO Max, like once the movie's over, there's a bunch of clips you can watch. Uh, I don't know, maybe seven or so of them. They're they're really good. Um, I really want to find that audio book you keep talking about. This it's, it's just called Before the Batman. Before the Batman. I have some I have some notes about the Joker being in this movie. I didn't mind the cameo. I didn't understand his look. Why, why does he look like that? I, well, don't, and I don't know. That's, if that's one thing. It it really hasn't been one hundred percent confirmed that it's the Joker. Matt Reeves said that's the Joker. Oh, he did. Yes. And if you look up that that uh, actor, it shows him as the Joker in that okay. movie. Okay. Well, I mean, um, other because I was wondering that myself when I first saw it. I was like, because if you it? just just looking at it, I mean, it's just a brief little cameo. And he's very in the shadows. But did you watch that cut scene? There's a cut scene that you need to watch. Now, it was cut from the movie, so I don't know if it's still canon. So, well, no. I'm, There's I'm, a scene where Batman goes back to Arkham and consults with the Joker about the Riddler. And see, he's basically getting, trying to get him to help him. And uh, the Joker looks really weird. Uh, he's all bumpy and scarred and bleedy. And it looks like he's been ran through a, a freaking blender. Like, he looks horrible. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he might have fell in about acid. Good, good, good point. He didn't look as good as Jack Nicholson did, though. It must have been some gnarly acid. Um, I don't. I, this is how I feel. I don't want Joker in the next movie. I don't want to get to Joker so fast. It, it's going to be a big thing, and you're probably going to get two or three or four movies out of this. Don't rush the, to the Joker so yeah. fast. I'm fine with you teasing him, but if, if he's the villain in the next one, uh, I, I think that's too soon. But if he is, I, it almost looks like they're, they're queuing up another storyline called A War of Jokes and Riddles where the Riddler and Joker team up to go against Batman, but then wind up going against each other. Well, but you know, one thing that you didn't mention was when they was in the uh, his apartment building, Hush kept being brought up. I didn't catch that. You didn't catch, well... I didn't catch a reference to Hush. The, well, it literally said Hush oh. wrote across one of the pictures. And his... His the Riddler's mask and all that is a lot like the Hush animated movie. Oh, one other thing I forgot to mention in my notes: there, we have a new mayor of Gotham. I forget her name. That was she was that was her election thing. That yeah. That, that this final scene because they place were trying out. to kill her. I wonder how she's gonna. She got shot. Yeah. I wonder. And she didn't die though. But I wonder how she's gonna feel about Batman because she's you know she was well Batman saved her. Yeah, but and, and through the movie, she was going after Bruce Wayne to try to tell him, you need to make a difference in this city and blah, blah, blah. You, you need to be more um, of a philanthropist. But like I'm interested to see how the new mayor feels about, like that old mayor but seemed like barely tolerated him. But she, is she going to be like a cool with it or against it? Well, or? like I said, he literally saved her life twice. Because oh. uh, he, he uh, helped them get up out of the water the second time after she'd been shot. That's all of my notes. Uh, I didn't even actually use them all. I was kind of uh, rushing through it. We did a prequel to this episode on our way to and from the movie. Yes. That's spoiler-free. That's going to be over on our Patreon account. So if you're one of our patrons, I'll have that up not long after I put this up, which will be a couple days, maybe three at the most. 
And we've recorded a couple of other segments between our last episode and this one, but I, I haven't cut it together. Um, but we are running behind on releasing stuff. But I did want to get this out here. Well, dude, it's summertime or yeah. spring, so. <laughs> um, well, we were doing a whole thing where we were trying to release enough episodes to where by the time we got to October, we were close to 200. I don't see how we're going to make that, but. The only way we're going to make be, that is if we get a lot out of... This will be 177. Comic-Con. Yeah, Tupelo-Con, Tupelo we'll, we'll have at least three episodes we usually do. And if we go to Nirvana... That's not, I haven't ruled that out. We, can, we would be able to get enough episodes. Maybe so. Because right now we're four behind where we need to do to hit 200 by October. By and Halloween. let us know what you thought about the Batman, but wait till you watch it twice. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing that really hard. I've only watched it once. The second watch changed it. Like, I, I liked it to begin with, but it, it, it connected a lot of things I missed on the first pass. I definitely want to watch it again. I just have, with everything that I watch, I just haven't had a chance. Tell them how they can let us know. Uh, they can call our voicemail. Which is? Uh, 662-767-4487. I was looking for that coin. There it is, right there. It's got it on it. Was that a short joke? Or is this the one with the wrong number? No, it's just 4487. I think you put 4497 on the last one. The other one, yeah. Or email us, popculture4, that's the number 4real, at gmail.com. We do have an email from a listener. I will get it on the next episode. Um, I just skimmed through it the other day. and uh, I just want to get this out here real quick. We're fixing to play D&D, and everybody's waiting on us. But I didn't want to wait on this any longer because the longer I wait, the less my notes make sense to me. I'm already, I already read a few lines. Like, Why did I say that? What was I talking about? I, I, think, I think you took pretty good notes. Thank you. If you took notes like that in D&D... Dude, your character would be. <laughs> I love how everybody in the room just erupted in laughter. I mean, I've wrote, I've wrote some stuff down. But here's what I'm bad about: I, I shorthand even to myself, yeah. and I go back and I'm like, "What did what did that mean? Why did I write nine sevens? Like, what is that? What am I? What does a nine, What does that even mean? It's something that made sense in your head at the time. Yeah, yeah. I hate when I do stuff like that. All right. Well. Thanks for listening to episode 177 of Real Pop Culture. We've been broadcasting live from high atop the first and only floor of the Kill J headquarters of the Kid J Ranch. Love you, bye. Love you, mean it. Hang on, we still haven't found the bell? I'm going to buy us a new one. Well, if I'd known that, I already would have ordered bell one. Bell mark, mark two. Wow, I cannot believe the thing. Is, it's been missing since the last Comic-Con. Yeah, it's probably in the attic somewhere. We'll, we'll bring it back. It'll, it'll make a return one day, I believe.
how we were talking about the other the other day about doing end credit scenes on our podcast. Uh, I must have missed that one. No, on the last episode, me and you were talking about doing an okay. end credit. Well, me and Kelly did a podcast yesterday I'm okay with it. that I'm editing tonight. And I just hit record for our post-credit scene to that episode. The post-credit scene to that yeah. episode. So at this moment, everybody's already heard the podcast. The okay. music's already played. They're they think it's over, but like in the movies, we're having a whole we're new having world. a whole new thing All that had nothing to do with nothing. Right. We're just out of sitting out on the porch in the rain and brew beer and brewing beer. Now this is the beer that we will be taking with us on vacation. Yes, I'm taking a beer on the vacation because I already said I would. I've already talked it up. I don't care if it tastes like shit. We're taking a beer that we freaking beer I brewed. Yeah, I mean we've been brewing beer for how many years yeah. now? I mean it's we need to be mobile with it. Yeah, uh, I mean it might be just because that'll be cool. It might be shook up your phone, but I'm and ready. that'll be good content for our. Yeah. Uh, even though I have, I still haven't posted our last beach podcast. Say, uh, it's going to be my first TikTok video. Is us on Crab <laughs> Island with a keg of beer that we made. There you no, go. Uh, how are we gonna keep this? Are you you taking a little tiny keg? I'm gonna bring the little uh, three gallon keg. You just gonna stick in the cooler? I'm just keeping uh, cool. I got that that guy cooler, one of them water coolers. Yeah. I got a ten gallon one of those. It'll fit just perfectly. Just gonna stick it in there and pack it full of ice, and we have a picnic towel. Uh, and uh, I'll probably run and get one of those uh, little purges thing. Not a hand. Oh pump, yeah, yeah. I understand my. Yeah, CO2 cartridge. You just hook it onto your thing. They're like twenty bucks. Yeah, somebody at the homebrew club had. Mark's got them. Didn't he have one that takes the little Seriously. air gun cartridges? Yeah, yeah. Mark's got one. Could you carbonate with that? No, no, no. It takes too much. Yeah, it, it takes too, too much, much gas. Now I got some stuff that I'm eventually gonna have for our travel. Uh, I got some old paintball tanks, paintball gun tanks. And yeah. I have a regular. I have a adapter to make them fit a reg a regulator. So, uh, we have a, if I, if a 12 gram CO2 thing, can you can dispense some. If I got a 20 ounce, which is basically you know, a little over a pound, if I got a pound thing, I can dispense, you know, with a regulator. Oh, okay. I just have to make some kind of, I got, they got adapters for the paintball tanks. I already got the adapter. I got an extra regulator. It's a crappy regulator, but I got it. So I got all that. I just got it, uh, so I'm good. Now that process you were talking about earlier before I hit record was um, you are going to ferment this under pressure. You've never done that before. Uh, yes, everything here is experimental. Um, I've got to set a timer. I'm uh, surprised that uh, that thing don't have the timer already. No. They talk like these things. You just plug them up and you wake up with beer. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, making coffee. Um. So if you are, which most home brewers are accustomed to having to wait. Yes. But if you want to shave a good week or more off of the time from brew day to drinking day, that's the way to go. If that works out, the, I mean, if it works out the same way without any that's some any thing, repercussions. Because I Googled the benefits of fermenting under pressure. That's what I was Googling. And then like, it's preventing all flavors. Bacteria. Bacteria contamination. Fer fermentations faster. And, uh, stuff like that. You don't have to worry about. It. That's the thing with ferming and the, the tip, like a lager. You want to do a lager? You can ferment it at, eight, at 75 degrees if you want to, but you just, it's just going to have all flavors because at high temperatures, it creates 
the, the yeast behavior, the behavior of that yeast puts off a different flavor. Is that why there's that calendar to show us what beer should be brewed at what time of year? Probably is because it because of why, That's why beers were brewed at certain time periods because they they didn't have a refrigerator. They had to do it based on their. Yeah, time. I was gonna say oh, that was gonna be my next question. What about like in uh, ACs hadn't been around long yeah, as beer has so. Yeah. If it's like it's the summer's here, if you didn't have air conditioning, how did you make beer at home? Well, it's kind of like art. Uh, you ever been under a house, like underneath a house in Mississippi? Yeah. yeah. Like it'll be 100 degrees outside. If you get under your house and it's got like a four foot crawl space, it's not 100 degrees under there. Yeah, it's like a wine cellar. It's, it's it feels kind of comfortable. You know, it's like it's actually a cool breeze from around there. So those, you know, that's you know, people. That's why you got wine cellars. And, Beer so people used to put the beer under their house. Yeah, beer caves or whatever. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna. I got a spunded valve, which is a, a thing where we'll, can regulate the pressure that I got. I'm gonna ferment this in the keg. I got a floating dip tube, so my dip tube won't reach down to the bottom. I'll put four gallons of the beer. You put some thought into this. Yeah, put four gallons. Of, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Well, four gallons of beer in a five gallon keg, 20 keg, with, a, with the dip tube. And once it gets done fermenting, I've got a jumper cable, which is basically- uh, What's the purpose of the dip tube again? The dip tube, because you know, the tube on the bottom after it ferments- Oh, you don't want it sucking- It's gonna be at the bottom of the keg. Yeah, you don't want it sucking so on, on you, that So nasty. you need to come up from the top. So I get all the cream. That's one benefit of, of secondary, is yeah. you can get it off that cake. So I'll get it off the cake from the top, and then, uh, I'll, I'll rack it over in it. When I weigh my rack, it's going to be under pressure. So it's a pressurized keg. So all I got to do is have a, a keg that's not under pressure and hook up liquid to uh, the liquid to liquid with the little wall fittings and I have code. Yeah. Right? And if I, once I hit that poppet valve on that other keg, it goes over. It never touches the air. So get it going with it. To go over there, I fill up that little three-gallon keg, and we'll be ready to go. Nice. Yeah. After we, uh, yeah, and you're taking it out of the keg where it, it fermented, it's going to be have less sediment in there. It don't have none because I'll be taking it from the top because I'm more because on the boat ride over to Crab Island, <laughs> it's, it's getting not a little shook well, up. Not even the not counting the seven-hour drive to Florida, yeah. you know. But uh, so when we get to when we get there, so we don't have a, a baby seat. Was a little car yeah, seat, so strap it in. So when we get there, I'm going to take it out. We'll put it in the refrigerator and uh, let it get cold. It's, it's a three-gallon keg. We'll make room if we have to. We'll just stick it. Oh yeah. You know, we don't ever, the refrigerators are empty. You know, we don't ever stock it, so we can. Not adjust. really. Yeah. We'll we buy groceries that first night we'll, we'll, that to last the whole week. We'll move some shelves around. We'll put that keg in there. We'll let it there and sit in there for a couple of days. You know, after it's in there a couple of days. Now I remember when we when we went. This is before we were homebrewing, or at least before I was. We went and got a, a couple of kegs for the uh, one of the parties at the cabin. I got I think it was one of the Christmas parties, and I just went and got one from the smokestack. It was like two yeah. kegs of Michelob Ultra yeah. that were the five gallon ones. And in that refrigerator out there, you could perfectly turn one sideways and sit it yeah. in the bottom of the refrigerator. And this one's even smaller, so it's really not going to take up that much room. So that way we didn't have to take out racks and racks. shit. We get laid it on its side, and and it still rolled right into that refrigerator perfectly. So we'll get there. We'll let it sit there for a couple of days to, to settle down from the car ride, and then when we pack up for the our boat ride, we'll uh, 
We'll go ahead and pack it down in ice. We'll go ahead and put it in the cooler, pack it down in ice. We'll get it in there and we'll, uh, we're going to get foam out the bat most likely. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll just have to let it settle down. I told Laura I would make some, I'll make a hard sales for you. So you can give me some pineapple juice, a fifth of vodka, and some water. That's easy to do. Yeah, all you got to do is just dump it all in there and I can carbonate it. Any of that sparkling, I'll fruity stuff. Or carbonate it. Man, that's yeah. easy to make. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to get that. I mean, I, mean, I imagine I can do some Google math and figure out how to get the alcohol content. To where you would want it at because you wouldn't want you know yeah instead of brewing it just do like they do yeah just put vodka on just, just put vodka pineapple juice water force carb seltzer yep hard seltzer all day you long. got white claw or hey i tell you what out there on the beach actually the white claw probably doesn't even use actual fruit <laughs> no, they just use, they use the flavor it, it it's flavored water with but out there on the crab out after we're out there a couple hours we're in that might be good maybe yeah I don't know. You don't really get hot out there because you don't really ever get out of the water. There's oh, no yeah. land. But yeah, I mean, there's no land anywhere. Right. But uh, but the 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 shallowest the water gets is about waist deep. The deepest it gets is about bring this beer. Chest is gonna scream out free beer to everybody that walks by. So we're gonna have a bunch of muscles, muscled <laughs> up teenagers. Well, now what kind of beer is this to tell you if they're gonna it, like it? It's or a Blondale. Oh no no no. When when you're that young, it's free beer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but when I was that young, I didn't even know what a real beer tasted like. Right, so this yeah. would have, you know, if we were taking an IPA. Yeah. Well, if they're already. I know people are more, more aware of craft more aware now. Uh, nowadays. I mean, in, Back then, I mean, I, we didn't know anything 90s, existed outside yeah, of Bud Light, of course, Light Miller Light. Corona. That was the only thing. Pretty much. That was it. Sam Adams come along and was like, whoa, what is whoa, this? Whoa, what is this? It's a whole new world. It's, it's like somebody down the street made this, and now we are that somebody down the yep. street. <laughs> This. this is probably long enough for an end credit scene, yeah. but yeah, well, you uh, I just thought it'd be a good opportunity since we're brewing to talk about what we're brewing. Hold that flashlight for me there, and I'm going to adjust this flow. And you said this is a. Oh, it's, it's really flowing. It's, it's not, but now I ain't turning on. Oh, you got my By the way, he's using his uh, Terminator 5000 electronic robot brew system here. We're not, we're not out in the woods making beer by moonlight anymore we're fancy I just want that to trickle out that's, what that's, gonna do. that's why your phone kept beeping we're sitting right in front of your camera and it's constantly yeah. going off I don't even hear that pump running oh it's just very 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 quiet yeah this is called a an anvil brewing system it's an anvil foundry it's sort of like the uh most people know what a robo brew is that are in the brew. But this one, you said, what was the advantage to the anvil that you liked more than the, uh, the robo brew? And this robo brew wants to sponsor us, then we like it. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's a 110 unit, but I get a, there's a switch in the back that I can flip it over to a 220. I just got to change the plug. So I can change this over to a 220. Instead of plugging it up to a 110, I can plug it up to like and a And get your water hotter fast. I can get, I can cook up a whole lot faster. There's a guy in the homebrew club that's got one. He said definitely. That's Can you cook crawfish in that? No. <laughs> I mean, you could. You just wouldn't want to. Yeah, I just wouldn't want to. Okay. Yeah. Man, your beer kind of tastes like crab ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, we cooked some crawfish last night. The only thing that's different about this than what we normally used to is with this one, uh, they recommend from the thing to uh, every 15 or so minutes to stop the pump and, and stir the top third of that grain. To stir it. It didn't continue brewing. But it looks like with this circulation thing, because we don't have this happening when we brew the old uh, style way, 
Looks like this would give you better efficiency. Better efficiency. I'm mean, just washing the grain. There's some you can buy. You, you can do it without the pump. I've considered doing doing it without the pump. Like I'm going to do it. Like I'm only going to do this for 15 minutes. I'm going to give it a stir, and then I'm going to turn the pump off, and I'm not going to use it anymore. Okay. Because just I'm going to try to see if that if it if my efficiency stays the same. I'm sure I'm not packing my grain. Oh yeah, that's a good point. If it flows too hard, it'll just it'll pack all the grain do down at the bottom. Bit. You won't get a you'll get a horrible. <laughs> yeah. So you won't get all those starches from the grains. What do you starches? But uh, yeah, it's a uh, our air conditioner is messing up inside, so that's what made me. I saw, I was like, I'm brew inside. And like no, of course you know boiling five gallons of water with. Inside in a house, AC's not working humidity, good. Yeah, and our, our AC is yeah. messing up. So it's actually comfortable-ish inside, but if I started boiling this water, it would not be. It would not be good. Yeah. So yeah, that, I'm outside. So, but I like brewing outside. So yeah, it 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 would be to me. I'm so used to doing it the, you know, the moonshiner way as we call it, like outside with pots and burners that if I went inside the root beer it would just feel weird. It, feel, it feels awkward. Yeah. yeah. It'd be like grilling steaks on a grill inside. It feels like you It's like you can even do this indoors. Yeah, feel like you're drinking it's an outdoor beer. activity. You feel like you're drinking a beer at church park line or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like this just don't feel it's right. Like, hey we're going to church folks and y'all got the beer. It's yeah. like when Amory first went wet and I went to that crawfish bowl they had yeah. and uh I was outside and Amory drinking a beer and every time a cop would Come by by nature, I would hold it down, yeah, like behind a tire uh, or something. Speaking but, of that, we need to get old Homecat back on here because did you see that uh thing that went on that, that had the boats on Maine? Did you see that video from Kim he put out there? Yeah, I was gonna go to that and we got added to a show last minute with Seeking Seven at another crawfish bowl in Tupelo. Oh, so y'all played this past week? We played Saturday, yeah. yeah. Well, Rob came and practiced with us Saturday, uh, Friday night and said, Hey, why don't y'all play that show with us tomorrow? I was like, "What? Where at?" And of course, I had a buzz by then. I was like, "Sure, let's do it." So we got added added to the bill last minute. It's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's pretty cool. I had to work. I've been there. And, uh, yeah, I was I was planning on going if it wasn't for that. But anyway, I'm gonna stop this. Yeah, stop this. This, this is our our post credit scene. It's not as good as the Avengers. I'm sorry. We ain't got Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do they anymore. Too soon. Maybe. All right. A little bit too soon.